Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Yeah, let's um, let's sort of try and regroup on where we've been over um, the last over the last few weeks. Um, you know, our, our, our theme has been on presence, camping at the source. Okay, um, and and one of the little phrases that we've been using is: Do you do I want to be a spectator of the spectacular, or do I want to be a seeker of the source? Okay, so do I want to go beyond all of the things that God has to offer me, all of the good things that he wants to to give me, and actually go to the source of those um, good things? And we've spent some time looking at the source of our strength and of our power and of his presence with us is the Holy Spirit. We've been looking at um, Sabbath, we've been looking at study um, next week, and we'll be looking at solitude and potentially silence. Joanne Briggs is going to be speaking on that. And this week I'm going to be looking at um, simplicity. Um, I would love to tell you that as a leadership team, we were that organized that the simplicity talk landed on our outward focus Christmas and because we planned it. That was just the goodness of God that was going upstream in us that these things have sort of correlated a little bit um, for us. But before we before we jump into an, another sort of tool for camping at the source or another discipline of the simplicity, let, let's talk um, a little bit about the why, okay? And I'm going to be bringing you back to this story of, of Moses, okay? Moses is found in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible before Jesus is came. And he is a guy that tells us an awful lot about what relationship with God looks like and what it looks like for a group of people, a community of people to be in relationship with God. And Moses is described as the man who talks to God face to face as a man talks to his friend. So he has this intimate relationship with God that we're going, wow, I would like to have that type of relationship. I would like to have that level of intimacy that Moses had um, with God. And to put the, the underlayer of this again, of that all of this, all of the disciplines that we're talking about, all of the tools that we're talking about for camping at the source are all about his presence. It's actually always been about his presence, that God created us for friendship, that God created us for uh, a relationship with him and this morning as as you're sitting here and i don't know how you've maybe ended up here maybe you're you're one of the regulars you're here every week maybe you've came in here this morning and your friends brought you a from a family members brought you you don't usually turn up to church um and can i just say that there's this part of you that longs to know god because that is why you were created. You were created for relationship with God. And there may be a little part of you that have tried lots of different things, but everything that you've tried just leaves you slightly dissatisfied. Over time, it just doesn't hit the mark. That is because you're created for relationship with God and nothing can satisfy that gap in your life. And as we're thinking about Christmas, um, as you're thinking, you need a manual, not the church. 
You need Emmanuel, which means God with us. And I wonder for some people in the room this morning, right as we begin to talk and look into Scripture, maybe the thing that you need to hear is, I need God with me. I need Emmanuel. And as you set out towards Christmas, it's arriving in upon us. The decorations are in the foyer. Maybe the greatest thing, the gift that you could get this year is actually you enter into relationship with God. How is your relationship with him? Because he is longing for relationship. That's what it's been about from the very beginning. That's what it's always been about. And this little um, phrase here, so Moses has this job. He's, he, he's a man that is engaging with God. He's got friendship with God, but he's got a, a role to play. And his role is leading the children of Israel into the promise that God has said that they would have. This amazing land that's full of riches and blessing. And God has said, Moses, you're leading these people in. And along the journey, Moses is leading them, but the people keep turning their back on God. They keep forgetting that this is all about his presence and it's all about relationship. They make it about them and about what they're getting. They grumble, they complain, they get annoyed. When actually it was always about his presence, God with his people. And God reaches this point where he says, I, I, I've had enough. You can have the promise. You can take the promise. I will give you all of the blessing. I will give you this amazing land. Take it. There you go. But I am not going with you. I am not going with you. These are, this is then Moses' response whenever God says this. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? We're talking about prioritizing the presence. That's it. That's it in a nutshell. God says, I, I will bless you. I'll give you everything that you want. But you don't get me. And Moses says, no. I will stay where I am. We're not moving if you don't go with us. We need his presence. It's always been about his presence. When God created Adam and Eve walking in a garden, it was about his presence with them. Whenever he, he had this chosen people, the children of Israel, it was about his presence. Whenever the temple was built, it was about his presence. Whenever Jesus came to earth, it was his presence in human form walking the streets of this earth. That pivotal moment when, when actually a promise was fulfilled that after Jesus died and rose, his presence was poured out on all people, not just one temple, but lots of little temples. And then we have the church is born, which is to host the presence of Jesus. We do hear these verses from Ephesians um, chapter 2. Verses 21 and 22. These have caught me this week. It's this little last phrase within it. It says, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. This is people that have given their lives over to Jesus. Okay? You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people 
and also members of his household, built upon the foundations of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And, him you, and in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We are a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And we get that individually. We believe that God's Holy Spirit lives within us. But actually, as a group of people, as a part of the, the universal church, his spirit dwells within us as a community. We get to host the presence of God. It is the thing that sets us apart. It is the thing that makes us beautiful. It is the thing that gives us power. It is his um, presence. And the primary way that God wants to reveal his presence to the earth is through the church. Look around. That's you. That's me. That's us. And sometimes whenever we paint this picture of camping at the source, and we've got this lovely picture of a river and a brook and of water flowing, it just looks like luxury. It looks like privilege. Imagine having the indulgence of going to get time alone and sit in the presence of God. And there's this story in the Bible of, of two sisters, Mary and Martha, that followed after Jesus closely, some of his closest friends. Martha's busy doing work. Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus, and she exclaims, tell her to help me. There is work that needs to be done. Jesus is not going to be taken away from her. This is not going to be taken away from her. Yes, there is work that needs to be done, but my presence comes first. And how do we be people who put his presence first? It is an absolute privilege that we get to encounter God. It is a privilege that we get to wait in his presence and know the sweetness of his presence. That, like, it, it blows our mind that God invites us in to that. It feels like indulgence. It feels like luxury. But can I say, his presence is out of sheer desperation. The need for us to hold and host his presence is not indulgence. It's desperation. I thank God for the signs of him moving amongst us, for problem solving, for practical ministries, for our programs, for God changing people's lives. Even a couple of weeks ago, someone quietly sitting in, a in Sunday morning service, give their life to Jesus. And you're like, come on, God. But we also hold it against the backdrop of the need that surrounds us. You've got Chris Leach who leads over with Al Emerson and Porta Down, and Laura Wiley, Dave's um, wife, who are chairing community development forums against me for mental health and for poverty, and seeing transformation and being a voice around the table of seeing things happen. You have people gathered in here that have faithfully served on boards of governors within schools, bringing guidance and wisdom into those rooms. 
You have a foster and adoption group that met for the first time after COVID on Thursday night because of the amount of people in our church that are saying, you know what, I meant? want to create a home for a kid. And I'm so thankful for what is happening amongst us, but yet we look at the backdrop and the tsunami of need that surrounds us. The desperation of the society that we're part of, that our kids are growing up in, his presence is not a luxury. It is out of desperation that we need to call out for him to move. It is out of desperation that we need him to dwell amongst us. It is sheer desperation. And if you look back into the Old Testament again, you see um, David, King David, who grew up in the field as a shepherd. He became the king. But through all of that, he had this heart of worship and wanted to minister unto the Lord. And whenever he came, became king and whenever he had almost that level of influence, he says, you know what? I'm going to bring the presence of God back into the heart of the nation. And he learned the hard way of how not to do it. And then he learned a more humble, slower, steady pace of how to bring the presence of God back into the very heart of the people with this desire of day and night prayer day and night night and day let incense arise let the prayers of the people continually minister into the heart of the lord it was the heart of david we desperately need his presence and i said to you whenever we were announcing the prayer room that that was our couch to 5k okay for those of you who don't know what couch to 5k is that's getting you moving from your sofa so that you can jog 5k it's the starting block and over this last few months it has been brilliant to have the prayer room operating and people in and out of the building and hearing some of the stories of of god answering prayer and of just people encountering god or getting rhythm back into their life it's brilliant but it was the couch to 5k and as we enter into the new year, we, we want to flex that muscle a little bit more. What does it look like for us to cry out and give him no rest? Because we desperately need him. Because of the times that we live in, because of the tsunami that surrounds us, that we cry out and give him no rest because we desperately need him. How do we cultivate a prayerful culture? A space for intercession and the intercessors. Can I call out to those of you who have had the burden of intercession upon you in years and time gone by? Please, please start again. Please start again. If you have been one of those prayer warriors, but life got hard or you just didn't see the breakthrough that you were hoping for, can I say, please? Please pick up that mantle again. Because in these days, we need you. As all of us raise our prayerful culture, a place to contend, prevail, and travail. Hosea 10 and 12, which was the verse over our, our corporate prayer, was break up your follow, follow ground, for it's time to seek the Lord, that he may come and reign righteousness upon you we are being knit together 
to host his presence. Every one of us. But again, when you look into the Old Testament, there was a group of people called the Levites. And the Levites had the responsibility of, of, of holding that and giving priority to hosting his presence. And my question is, and even to myself, is who are that concentrated catalytic core that will stoke the embers to set the heart of our community on fire with his presence? Who are the catalytic, concentrated core? And my thought this morning is that that some of you in the room, you're going, that's what I feel I'm called to. That's what I'm to contend for for the next decade of how we become a people who hosts his presence. That I will be part of that catalytic concentrated core that will stoke the embers so that his presence burns at the heart of who we are as a group of people I wonder if that's the thing that you want to give your big yes to that's the thing that you want to go that's big enough for me to give my life over to You see, that's the backdrop to which we're talking about the disciplines. They are only tools. The study, the Sabbath. We're going to move in and look at simplicity really quickly. They are the tools to help us camp. They're the tools to help us um, reach an end. They are not the end goal. And whenever we're thinking um, about simplicity, it, it just gives us a space to, that we can, we can prioritize and seek him first. That we can put him first. Simplicity helps us to prioritize him. It gives us the freedom to prioritize God. In a world... That is, even Tash has mentioned it, the the consumer, the materialism, the entitlement, the need for more and never having enough, where worth often gets determined by a pay packet, where status comes by accumulating the right stuff. The words of Jesus speak loud and clear that we cannot serve two masters. Approximately one in four teachings of Jesus are about money and wealth. If we did that, we probably could empty the building pretty soon. We see how subtly clutter can distract us from the presence of Jesus. But more than that, that the desire for the accumulation of wealth can become our idol. And whenever we start to talk about this, it's really easy to start to get really legalistic. God is a God who wants to bless us. God is a God who wants us to give us good things to enjoy. But when Jesus was on earth, he also realized how this could creep in and entangle our hearts. And I think that's why he spoke on it so much, because he wanted to get it in the right place. 
He wanted to get it in the right priority because there's a gravitational pull that is always going to lure us towards the security and the status that wealth is meant to bring. And can I pause in the middle of this and say, look, I, I am thankful for people and for the blessings of God that he pours out over us. That as we give and we give generously and we give sacrificially, the church and this church would not be where it is without God working in this way of how he has poured blessing out on people and people who have held it with the fear of the Lord and joyful generosity and have given unto him. So you need to frame this that whenever we're talking about simplicity, that we're say, not saying that things and wealth are bad. It's the place that they get in our heart that we need to pay attention to. So how do you hold the tension of a good father who wants to bless his children while guiding, uh, guarding our hearts against the subtle gravitational pull of greed and materialism? Here's a little quote, Richard Foster, if you're looking to go a deeper dive in any of the disciplines that we've been talking about, the celebration of the discipline is the, the place to start. Any intern that's sort of been tracking through us over the last few years, this is their bread and butter. And Robbie is following in the trend with the current interns as well of just putting a bedrock in place. But simplicity is the only thing that sufficiently reorientates our lives so that possessions can be genuinely enjoyed without destroying us. Okay, so holding things with simplicity, holding things with a light hand, recognizing where they came from and what they are to be used for, gives us the place to enjoy possessions but not be destroyed um, by them. And you know what? No matter how much or how little we have, and I don't want to minimize the struggle, the financial strain that we find ourselves in at the moment, but no matter how, how little, how, how much, this can be a lure or temptation for everyone because it's not about how much you have. It's about the way in which you're holding it and the desire that you have um, for it. I'm going to read, uh, we're going to read a good bit of Luke chapter 12 really, really quickly. I'm going to do this in, in reverse order, okay? So we're going to read a little section from verse 22 um, through to verse 34. And then in a moment, we're going to read the verses before that. They are on the screen, but are probably quite small um, if you want to look them up on your phone. So Luke 12 says this. And then Jesus says to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or, what you, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or what you drink 
and worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things. And your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And as we think about simplicity, this passage is really important because unless we get the bedrock that God is our provider, that he is the one and the source of our provision, we will never be able to step into simplicity because we'll, we'll feel like we have to do it all ourselves. And actually our security and our wealth and our future, all of that is held within our own hands. And God is saying, look how I care for my creation. And I know everything that you need. Do you trust me enough to give you what you need? A deep trust in his provision. It'll directly impact on how we engage with simplicity. And Paul and Philippians, this is into the New Testament. Whenever Jesus is came and died and rose again, the church is being formed. And Paul is speaking to one of the churches. He says, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul is like clearly saying, I'm not building my life on these things. My identity, my worth, my security are not wrapped up in them. I know who I am trusting in. And the, the Bible doesn't give us lots of detail on how much is too much. Because this is a heart thing. This isn't a detailed thing. This is a heart thing. This is something that's working that we need to pay attention to all of the time in the depths of our heart. What does it look like to be content? But if we look into the Old Testament, the Old Testament clearly teaches around finances. It teaches around generosity. It teaches about the redistribution of wealth. It's systematic in actually the culture that God was looking to create. We look into the New Testament and sharing generosity and loving your neighbor are the gospel. They are so closely entangled to it that you cannot separate them. Love God and love people. These are the greatest commandments tangled up together in one. This is what you are called to do. And um, Chris Leach, who I mentioned earlier, who leads over in Portadown, we there was a conversation happening around the impact of the welfare state, of what that does. Because actually it do, what it says is, oh, there is a problem and you have a problem. The government will sort it out over here. Oh, the government doesn't have the resource. That's really annoying. We go to a big church, a large church, lots of departments. One of them is our compassion department. You have a need, you can go up to Renew and you can go to Pantry or you can sign up for one of our programs. That is beautiful. But the gospel doesn't allow us to negate the responsibility to love our neighbor. And actually what we have been entrusted with and what has been, we've been blessed with, actually that there is something of how do we share? How do we navigate this? <laughs> How do we look after each other? How do we care for the poor? 
And it would be so easy for us to outsource loving our neighbor. Say all of this because it's difficult to navigate, isn't it? (laughs) In this world, we're, we're surrounded and bombarded with things and advertising and where advertising switched from what you need to what you desire. And I just say, look, I, I don't feel like an, uh, in any shape or form an expert in this. The highlight of my simplicity was um, I, I read a book quite a few years ago called Irresistible Revolution by Shane Claiborne, and I went and cut the Levi labels off all of my jeans to my mum's absolute disgust because I think she probably paid for them at that stage. But how do we navigate this? How do we hold it right? How do we not let riches and wealth get entangled and ensnared into our hearts? Um, There's a little quote again from Richard Foster. It says, simplicity sets us free to receive the provision of God as a gift that is not ours to keep and can be freely shared with others. Let's go back to, to Luke 12 as we bring this into land. Luke 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me judge and or an arbiter between you? Then he said to him, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. This passage Too often I find myself in this place. The blessing of God is poured out in your life. His provision, his goodness. And somewhere in in us, that intrinsic desire to build our own kingdom, somewhere in us it's like, "Ah, I'll just store this all up for me. And too often that's the place that I found my heart in, where it was wastefulness as he wrecked his barns and built new ones, where it was hoarding, where it was thinking that he had done all of the work when it's the land that produced the crop, the rain, the sun that came from God. He says, actually, this was meant to be held lightly to bless others and all i'm saying this is a hard one to navigate holding the tension of a good father while not letting greed 
be enthroned onto our hearts. Um, just in, in wrapping up, if I, I mention a little bit of, Ruth and I have recently moved house, and we've had to go on this journey where we felt the favor and the blessing of God in terms of our move. It, it, like it, um, the way that it's opened up, it's, it's been beautiful through the kindness of God coming through other people and that has brought us to where we are. But through that process, you continually had to just check your heart. Because I'm like, do I just want this because I want it? Do I want it because it just looks really nice, God? Is this something that you're entrusting me with? And that's a good question. Is this something that you're entrusting me with? Or is this just me getting sucked into the moment and going, I want this? And we had to navigate that. We needed to bring some other people in to pray for us as well because you're going, I can't trust my heart. I can't trust my heart in this. And I, I say all of that to go, you know what? We need to be diligent with this. We can't slip into legalism. We can't s slip into criticism because you've no idea what's going on in someone else's heart or life or what, what they're doing or what they're giving or what they're not giving. So let's not slip anywhere near that. It's our heart that we need to keep right with God. But equally, that's hard, and we need to bring some people in in the journey as well. Um, part, of this, um, part of this house is a garden. And whenever we first went to look at it, the garden is beautiful. It is the handiwork of Chris Norton. So you can imagine the attention to detail. And uh, there's been a, a summer of growth, uh, autumn, leaves, everything. And I'm going, oh, this is now part of my life. I have to prune this. I have to trim this. I have to look after this. And see, whenever we're thinking about simplicity, it's pruning. It's continual. It's cultivating our hearts. It's keeping them soft and right before God. It's bringing some other people into the journey with you. And all I would say is if we are looking to be people that are, oops, sorry. If we're looking to be people that go after hosting his presence, then dethroning wealth off our hearts and security that that brings is going to be one of the main things we have to do because it so easily ensnares us. It so easily entangles its way in. No matter how much or how little we have, the desire and the lure of it, the want of it, or the trying to navigate having it, they both bring their own sets of struggles. But if we want to host his presence, we have to be able to detach our heart from the lure of wealth. Can we pray together? Would you stand with me? Steve's gonna come up um, just for a moment as we close, our time is done prayer ministry team, would you come and some at the front and some at the back? Remember, with our prayer ministry team, you can, it's for anything. It's for anything. Um, so please just come and um, yeah, get gathered in. So you can, you can make a move. So basically what I want to do, because what we're trying to navigate, we're trying to navigate in a limited amount of time how to do prayer ministry, how to do all things, and keep our kids' environments, all of that stuff. So we don't want you to miss a moment. We also don't want to force anything. So we're just being honest with you of that we're trying to find our way with this. Um, so prayer ministry is available every week. So please just 
come up and make use of it. It has been beautiful to hear some of the stories of what God has been doing. You can slip to the back. You can come up to the front. So whilst he plays, this is just a little so you don't miss a moment. Let's close your eyes. And if there is anything that you're going, actually, I, I, I feel I need to take a step and, and say, almost like a response to God of saying, I want to be part of the concentrated catalytic core that is going to stoke the embers that are going to put a fire at the very heart of this community to say yes to the presence of Jesus. And I would love you to come up to the front now. Okay, so let's, let's move. into the front for you. Is that okay? People that have responded, just move into the front here. If you're wanting prayer ministry for anything that's been said this morning in terms of struggling with this idea of wanting stuff, you can go to the front, you can go to the back. So come up to the sides, you go to the back. We're finishing now because we want to honor our kids. So if you can slip out quietly, if there is a moment with you and the Lord, we will navigate and manage your kids for you, okay? We're not saying that, don't take advantage of that, but if there's something that the Lord is doing in your heart and you need to respond, don't rush from the place, we will navigate and we will, we will sort out the kids for you. So, uh, but if you can be leaving quietly, just as you move out, they can get through those doors, you can make as much raucous as you want, and we're going to, let's just pray. Jesus. 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 Mm. Maybe where you're standing, you just want to respond to God devotion out to him. Just relinquish the lie of, of wealth, of materialism. You just want to set it down. morning what you need to just detach from because it's just got caught up in your heart you need to shake it off a bit and you've done this before because you you, you want to hold this right but it's just another moment to say God I'm, I'm just allowing you in 
over this layer of my heart. Guard me. Guard me. Hand it all back to you again. Pray grace over people who've been entrusted with finance to steward it well and the strength that they need. The wisdom they need. God, now we want to just pray over the catalytic core. People are saying, I just want to, this is what I want to give my life to. I want to give my life to stoke the embers of a holy remnant of people that will just go after your presence. I just say, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, and work in the deep places of hearts and minds in this place. I say, come, Lord Jesus. Minister beyond our words, God. Would you, would you pour salt upon our souls, God? Would you make us thirsty for you, I pray. God, even over people scattered in this room, would you shake salt over our souls, oh God, that leave us just thirsty for your presence, God, and desperate for your presence. Shake salt, oh God, over this room. Shake salt over this room, God. Shake salt over this room, God, that we might be thirsty for your presence, God. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Please, God. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.